Hey everyone, welcome to Sick in the City, where Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks filling the tea on chronic illness. It's been a while, but we're back and better than ever. Really excited to get this going today and talk all things that have been happening since the new year. It is also one year since we started the podcast, which is absolutely banana hammock crazy. And we're just (laughs) in awe that we've been able to accomplish doing this for a year and have had some amazing times. So anyway, let's get right to it. So hi, Mel. So good to see you. Hi. Hi. I think, I mean, if we were going to talk about like highlights from the past year, banana hammock is definitely one of (laughs) my personal highlights and and your, uh, your living La Vida blank, uh, catchphrase. Anything. (laughs) Living La Vida Friday, living La Vida. (laughs) I think I've been saying that catchphrase since living La Vida Loca came out back of course the 90s. Which makes complete sense. Love me some Ricky, Ricky Icky. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I feel like it has been a really long time since we've recorded, which I don't know why I always feel like I have to comment on it because part of me wishes we could do this all the time. Like I really do wish we could. Um, But we both have just so much going on, which we'll kind of dive into. But I mean, from month to month and especially over the holidays and into the new year, like there's just been a lot of goals we've been setting, projects we've been working on, transformational life moments we've been having, figuring out what our plan is for the year, which we're excited to kind of dive into with everybody. But um, I've been going through a bit of a health transition um, Mm -hmm. because I found out through a stool test with the doctor I work for that I was still dealing with some bacterial overgrowth, which was something I kind of always suspected, but never really knew what to do about it. And so I've got all these answers. And the one thing that I didn't ever know was that I have low elastase, an issue with your pancreas where a certain enzyme, you know, isn't able to digest and process carbohydrates. So they kind of end up going bad in your digestive system, which can lead to bacterial overgrowth like SIBO. And that's something that I've dealt with for a long time. So I finally have that answer. I'm taking a specific digestive enzyme to help with that. And I started on a bit of an elimination diet a couple of weeks ago and girl, like I've not gone through a heavy detox in a couple of years. And, you know, I mean, I just jump right back into it. Of course, get into the diet doing kind of yeah. like an AIP, like keto, the most restrictive and, and. I think for a long time, I was nervous about it because I thought it would give me like this PTSD of, you know, everything I had been through in the past, but, but I feel like so much has changed since I've done all that. I have so much clarity and confidence and education and like what I'm doing right. at this point that now it's just kind of like, oh, I'm just doing this for a little while and it's going to be cool. And I'm happy to do it. And it'll be a nice refresher. Cause I feel like I haven't figured out like what foods I might be sensitive to in a long time. And So I don't know, it really hasn't been bad and I feel really good and things are definitely changing, which is awesome. Um, but that's kind of been like my main food and health focus lately. And there are definitely moments where I'm like, Ooh, yep. I need a coffee enema. This detox is intense. And, uh, now I'm talking about coffee enemas more, which is another one of my favorite podcast. I think that's, yeah, we'll get to that, but that's, I think one of my favorites for sure. (laughs) I, so what happens now though? So now you're doing the diet, you're doing the detox. Do you have to test again to find out if it's working or do you just kind of go by how your body's feeling? 
Yeah. So we're going to do repeat blood work. And Mm -hmm. the main thing we're looking for is that my ANA, uh, my antinuclear antibodies were really, really high last time we did them, which I don't know if anyone is familiar with it, but mine was one over 320, which is just super high in the range of like lupus diagnosis. And so we've really been working on trying to just decrease inflammation and calm down the immune system. And if that goes down naturally through my blood work, it's safe to say that we've really addressed the underlying infection because mm-hmm. any kind of overgrowth or infection that your body's dealing with or your immune system's dealing with is automatically going to trigger autoimmune and, and flares and overreactive immune systems. So if that goes down, then we should be good. Hopefully I won't have to redo that stool test. Right, right. I just like crack up every time I have to do a stool test. It's just, have you ever done it's- one? Yes, of course. Please me. Of course. <laughs> Disgusting. It's so awkward. Like, I feel like I've done so much weird shit for my health, but like sitting there with like, like a bowl underneath me is yeah. one of the weirdest things it's, I've ever done. Yeah. In my life. You, it's, I don't even know though, if I have any shame about anything anymore. Like I no. don't even know if anything makes me feel weird. Like I am like, <laughs> test it all, take it all. I'll go right here in your office. They're like, yeah. usually like, please don't. Uh, it's not sanitary. <laughs> it's just like, it's so funny though, because I will say when I first started dealing with stomach issues back when I was way younger, I used to, Oh, I would not let the doctor even examine me. Like they have to, you know, stick their finger in your butt. And I would be like, you cannot touch my like pristine, like virgin asshole. <laughs> like no oh my god and now I like just like walk in like bend over I'm like what's up like let's go am I okay how's my how's my colon (laughs) honestly this sounds like a rager of a time (laughs) listen I feel like as chronically ill people we have to entertain ourselves somehow so that's we really do we really do and like I know, especially after this last weekend, um, yeah. hopefully no one w- was sticking their fingers up your asshole at the hospital, but, um, <laughs> I know no. that was a really stressful time nonetheless, even if no one was touching your butt. Um, so yeah. I'm just happy to hear you're doing well. And I, I know you updated everybody on Instagram, but, um, I, I mean, you've been going through a lot of changes and just transfer yeah. transformation wise, like dealing with a lot of things, which I know we're going to kind of dive into, but I mean, I'd love to hear kind of today we were talking, we were talking a little bit a couple days ago about how we're just kind of ready to let, to let go, right. To like, yeah, let go of trying to control everything that our body is doing at every hour of the day. And I, I would love to kind of dive into that a little bit because I think it's just really, really relatable. And I know yeah, that people would enjoy hearing about that. Yeah, for sure. So I feel like I had this, I don't even know what to call it. Like I would say rock bottom snap of a moment this past weekend. So I think going to the emergency room this time really affected me in a different way than it ever has before. Like I usually would come out of a situation where I went to the hospital, which for anybody that isn't aware, I went for severe upper abdominal pain, which ended up being, they don't know what, um, I read my own CT and think that it was like acute pancreatitis. That was just my take on it, probably from medications or just plain old chronic illness stuff that I have going on. 
but they sent me home. Like nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. Right. And normally I would come out of that situation, guns blazing, just like, I'm ready to do a program. We're going raw. We're going paleo. We're taking all these supplements and something in me this time just snapped. I was like, I'm not doing this. This is not happening. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I am not doing this. What I really, really need is to let go of everything. Like I just need to let go of fighting so hard. I think I have been trying for a really long time, fighting my body, fighting myself, fighting doctors, fighting everything. And I just don't want to fight anymore. And I think it it could come off as I'm giving up or I don't, you know, want to continue to try to make myself better. And that's not it at all. It's more of a shifting in perception of, I need to understand that I can't fix everything. And the amount of energy that I put into trying to fix an unfixable situation is probably making me worse. Taking all the supplements I'm taking, like I said to my therapist, thank God for therapy, everybody. Mm-hmm. I said, if I have to choke down one more supplement, I'm going to fucking kill myself. I am done, done, done. Now, did I stop taking all of my supplements? No, mm-hmm. but would I love to be a normal person that just takes like vitamin D and B12? Like that is an average to me as a nutritionist is an average person. Like that's what people are usually low in. Right. Yeah. And, but instead I take 27 supplements and medications <laughs> And have to like do coffee enemas and have to eat like a raw vegan diet and all this stuff. And it's just not working for me mentally and energetically anymore. And so I'm moving through a energetic awakening mm-hmm. of, of sorts. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that that's going to be a huge topic of ours, like this year, moving into this next chapter of healing, because I, I really think everyone reaches this point it's some point or another, like in a a long healing journey. And what I want to really emphasize is that you've done the work. It's not that you're like putting your hands up and calling it a day. Like you've been working on this a really long time. You know, what's going on with your body. You have it under control for the most part. Like, and that's, what's important is that like, you have done the tests, you've done the protocols, you've taken the supplements, you've focused on this. And it's not a matter of like, I'm not to the bottom of this yet. It's a matter of, I need to learn how to live with this long-term. And I I think that that's what's most important with this kind of like energetic change, because it comes to a moment where you realize like, I don't want to have to think about this every waking minute of every day. If this is just going to be my life moving forward, I need to find a way to make it livable and find balance and have moments in the day where you don't have to think about like, Oh, I got to take that supplement or, Oh, I got to do, you know, run to the grocery store to grab the foods that I can eat. And so, I mean, there is a matter of like having to think about this uh, quite a bit, which of course we do. We love it. I mean, it's our life, Yeah, but at the same time, letting it hold you back from moving forward and from spending the time thinking about the things you want to think about. Um, yeah there comes a moment where you have to make a change and and yeah. there has to be a shift. There is. And, it, and it's a shift really between the mind and the body, because the way I look at it, especially with being in graduate school for two years and studying this for as long as I have, like there's a piece of our ego of our brain where we're like, we know better. We're going to keep all of this in control. And I'm going to like mentally in my brain, like I'll create a program. I'm going to be rigid. Like I'm going to do these things. 
what happens is that we detach from listening to our body and what our body needs. And then we put this lack of trust into our bodies. Cause we're like, I don't trust that my body knows what to eat. I know better, right? I'm the nutritionist. I know better. Right. And we'll talk about it a little bit later in this episode about like embodiment and things like that. But this is where the shift is coming from. For me is coming from this place of, well, of course I don't trust my body. My body has betrayed me in every way possible. Mm-hmm. And so why would I listen to my body? I don't trust that it knows what it, it wants. I think that I know better in, in the ego. Right. And so what I'm trying to do is come back into my body and try to listen to my body and trust my body and go from that place because I, I'm not, I'm still going to be vegan. I'm still going to be plant-based, but it's a difference of being like, I need to do this rigidity because I think that that's, what's going to help instead of taking a moment, checking in and saying, what do I want to eat right now? Mm -hmm. What do I want to do? And it's, it's very similar to muscle testing. When you, when people get muscle tested or I muscle test somebody, I'm asking the body what it wants. I don't do that to myself. Like I don't do that because I just assume that I know. So my shift is really this perceptional shift of like, I want to trust my body. I'm tired of fighting against it. I'm tired of all the rules and all the, you know, I just kind of need to like take a step back and reset and then see, you know, what comes of it. And I feel good about taking that path. What I love as we get into energy and spiritual work is that somebody said to me, oh, it's so great that you've reached this point, but what a shame that like it had to happen this way. And I was like, no, no, my spirit guides do not fuck around. They are like, this hoe isn't getting it. We are going to just, you're going to the ER. You're not listening. You're going to the ER. Okay. That's it. You're going again. Yeah. And for that, I'm grateful. And for that, at least I can laugh about it. Cause I understand that this needed to happen. I'm not thrilled that I went to the hospital, but I do realize the part that it plays in me kind of coming to this place of like, okay, embodiment yeah. is, is what I've been trying to focus on. And it's really what I need to be doing going forward. Yeah. And I'm so excited to dive into all that with you. Cause this is something I have always kind of like thought about and wondered. And, you know, when it comes to like and energy healing, which we're going to be talking a little bit about next episode, uh, with a special guest, which we're excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, like just spiritually, how going through this journey affects everyone. Cause I mean, I know I'm, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. I do feel like things happen for a reason. I do feel pulled in different directions. Like I know that there's, there's just a reason that all of this has happened. There's a reason that you and I found each other in the universe. Like there is a reason you went to the ER on Saturday. Like there was a reason that I got super sick inside of a half price bookstore and had a full on like flare from mold that brought me to DNRS, which was eventually the thing that, that was kind of the shift for me, right. The thing that got me to that next chapter of life where I was able to let go and not let fear control my every move. And it's brought me to this universe where I, I got to move across the country. I started my own business. I'm, I'm doing these things I was always so afraid of. And so if we let fear hold us back, like we're never going to know what we are capable of. And if we let our illness hold us back from living our life, like, I mean, gosh, think about all the things that we could be missing out on. And, and 
So what is that thing that's going to help us get to that next stage? And, and I know everything we're going to be talking about in this episode today is, is really that for you. And in a way yeah. it's, you know, manifesting and you've talked to me a lot about past lives and star seeds and, you know, the divine feminine and all of these just juicy topics that yeah. I, I just want to kind of dive into because it's such a universe I do not know anything about. And so so just educate me, please. And how did all this kind of come, come to be, or are we kind of like ready to dive into all of it? Yeah, let's dive, let's dive in. I mean, I feel here's my stance on spirituality. I grew up in a very, very religious path, right? Like I went to you know, Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. Like I grew up within that space. Here's what I think just from a spiritual perspective before we kind of like dive into all this, because there's a lot of people have these perceptions of like, well, I can't believe in the spiritual stuff if I believe in God and, or, you know, there's all these religious wars and all these differences. And so I just want to say this to me, it's all the same thing. It's all one thing. So I refer to my God, spiritual, the universe to me, it's, it's one thing I refer to it as different things. Like I, some people will call it God. I will say the universe, or I say my spirit guides who I kind of consider to be like the energies that protect me specifically. But if I'm talking to my spirit guides, I'm praying, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm praying. So it's like, that's kind of the way that I like do it for people, you know, people like Abby Bernstein, who's a spiritual leader, she just says spirit, right? Like, so everybody kind of has their own way of of doing this overall. It's a higher being a higher energy. That's all that we're talking about and how it implements in people's lives is different. So you believe it or you don't believe it, whatever. That's what it, what it means to me. And I have been into this stuff for a long time. Like I, I never talk about it on my platform because I try to live very deeply within the scientific and live in that realm. And that's where I've been for a long time. I hit this point where I was like, okay, I've worked on the physical for a long time. Like now I need to work on the spiritual piece, but I have done Reiki energy, energy healing, God, I've been doing it since I, you know, right out of college, like always going to psychics, like all this stuff. So I believed in this stuff for a long time. What has, I think happened recently is just the shift that I was just saying, like, I'm like, okay, I've been hanging out in the physical realm. Mm -hmm. I've been very, very into science. And when we start to get into masculine and feminine, working in a corporate environment, working in general, go, go, go New York city, graduate school, that is all masculine energy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need to have a balance of masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. But if you're living very rigid and you're working nine to five, right. And you're doing all this crazy stuff and it's rigid, 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 then you're almost like imbalanced and you're living too much in the masculine. And then the feminine is where flow comes into, into place, right. That's where you're, you know, that's dance, that's embodiment that is leaning into trusting the universe and trusting your body. Like that's the feminine. We need to have like both of those things. So I also think for me on this path forward recently is like, I have been hanging out in the masculine for a long time. I was, I've always been that way. 
you know, as a kid, I was a tomboy. Like that was how I've always been more in the masculine energy wise, Mm -hmm. workaholic, you know, perfectionist, rigid, you know, like we were saying, rigid diets. And I am severely lacking in the feminine area of that energy of yin. It's, it's the resting, right. It's the slowing Mm -hmm. down. I'm not talking about like makeup, you know what I mean? Or stuff like that. Like I'm talking about like the yin energy of softness. Mm. slowing down. Right. I don't think anyone would ever call me soft. I am not soft. Um, so yeah, anyway, so now I've kind of been on this journey of trying to wake some of that stuff up in me and figure out what my purpose is because in my healing journey and in my career, I feel stuck. And I know that if I don't get into the weeds with, with why I'm stuck, I'm not going to move forward. And that's not working for me. Yeah. That's so exciting. And it's something I feel like I have definitely felt in my life, but never really knew how to put a name on it or like knew what it was. Right. But I, I do always have to find those moments of, of, um, solidarity to recharge my battery, to slow down, to, to give myself, you know, comfort and care. And so like when you're going all day socializing or at work or, you know, checking things off your to-do list, it's, it's kind of like that, what what you meant, like the yin and the yang of really Mm -hmm. finding balance and accessing, you know, in this universe, like the feminine energy to, to just care for yourself and be in tune with that side of you. And, and so, yeah, I mean, learning about that all from you has been really, really interesting. And, um, I guess, what do you mean when you say like embodiment? Yeah, I think let's start, let's start with embodiment. Cause I think that's, that's a really good place to start. So when I talk about embodiment, in regards to chronic illness, I think that we detach from our bodies as humans, we do it, but we do it, especially as people with chronic illness, because like I was saying before, we stop trusting our bodies, right? If you're in pain and you're sick all the time, your body is not a place that you want to be. Why would you want to be in your body? I've been in pain for 10 years. I don't want to hang out. It's not fun here. It hurts, right? Like it's not fun to be in your body. So we detach and we use detachment methods like meditation, which is an amazing practice, but we're in our heads and we're out of our bodies when we're doing things like meditating we detach from that relationship with our body. So then we stop listening to what our body wants. We were like, just kind of like hang out outside. Right. Because we're really souls having a physical experience. That's, that's kind of like the belief, but we hang out so much in our heads that we don't know. And at the most simple, simple, simple level of it, I, one of the things that I teach and is in my book and will be heavily in my second book, which we'll talk about in a whole nother episode is (laughs) The idea of also just listening to your body with cues, like let's just say hunger and fullness, for example, like you're not listening to your body. So you don't know when you're really hungry, when it's mental, when it's like, oh, like, I feel like I should be eating this because I'm at this type of event. Oh, I, I, I need to eat a cookie because I emotionally feel like I need to eat a cookie. Like that's your brain. That's not your body. Like if you know, you need to learn your body cues of when you're hungry or when you're full. Right. So that's just like the most basic level. Right. So embodiment practice is the practice of bringing our souls back into our body. And that is scary as fuck because feeling safe in your body is hard. Like it is, especially if you have chronic illness, like 
feeling safe is we're not, we don't feel safe. Like we don't trust our bodies. We don't know if we're going to wake up tomorrow and feel like shit. We don't know if we're going to be able to do something physically. So it's a scary thing. So what we need to do for embodiment is to bring ourselves back into our body. And I would say there's two things that I, that I've been doing that I think are really helping with that. I think one is this kind of more checking in, asking my body what I, what it wants, checking things like hunger cues. Am I hungry because of X, Y, and Z, right? Like, what do you really want right now? And giving my body the space to, to really understand that. And then the second thing that's been really big for me is, is dance and having a dance practice. Girl, I cannot dance for shit. <laughs> like, I, it's not, it's like not about that. It's actually just like flowing and moving your body. Like if anybody ever witnessed it, which maybe one day I will film and feel and actually be okay to like share it with people. (laughs) It looks like interpretive dance. Like I'm just like waving my arms. I'm like, Oh, like moving energy around, but it's like, it's putting on music and it could be any kind of music. Like I joke with people that I like sometimes listen to show tunes. Sometimes I get down with 2000s party hip hop, like house party hip hop. I love that shit. Like <laughs> JLo on. Sometimes oh I listen to tribal music and I really just like move. And it's so crazy because all this, there's all this stuck energy in our bodies, right? So you just let your body move how it feels comfortable. Like I don't think I can't do this one move because I have screws in my spine, right? Like I just let my body like move how it wants to move. And I will tell you that 95% of the time I end up on the floor weeping hysterically because I just like moved some Kundalini energy out of like my root chakra. And I just start hysterical crying and Rob will be like, you were just dancing to Tina Turner three seconds ago. Why are you on the floor hysterical crying? And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm so stuck in there from 1995. Like, <laughs> and like, but it's so beautiful and so wonderful. And that's been a really big thing for me. And I don't do it every day. I do it when I feel like doing it. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. No, I, it's funny because it's so in the same realm of just like, I feel like I see TikTok videos of people just like dancing in the kitchen or dancing like at work or whatever. It's like, stop a moment and like move. But I I do that stuff without even thinking about it. I mean, especially when I'm at home alone, I'll turn on music and just find myself like dancing around and moving. And especially when it's your favorite music, I mean, you know, like I'll be jumping up and down to Taylor Swift and like singing at the top of my lungs. But all of a sudden I'm like, I get emotional. Yeah. Like I, there's so many moments where I listen to some like sad music and I find myself moving and then get emotional and it like brings this stuff out of you. And I, I never really knew that that was technically like, you know, embodiment. Like I didn't know. Yeah. And it's it's Kundalini. Kundalini. I love that. It's Kundalini. Like your Kundalini energy is, is really at like the root chakra. Right. And so like embodiment practice is like this, like buzzy now way of saying it, like you could do a Kundalini practice, but you do, that's how you do it on your own. Like you're shaking some stuff out. Like, you know, you're shaking your hips, like you're releasing that energy and it's, yeah, it is emotional because things get stuck. And that's, and that's what we'll talk about next week with our special guests about like where things get stuck and why they get stuck. But if you just put on some music that you connect to, and you just let your body move. It's just, it's just incredible. Like it's, it's amazing. And so then you start to come into your body and then you start realizing, like, I feel so many more things now physically 
And as scary as that is, Mm -hmm. it's also incredible because I'm also getting much more in tune with where my body and my soul's place is within the greater scheme of everything. Mm -hmm. Which is that makes sense. Like yeah, wild, wild thing to think about. And I know, I mean, that's all we ever want to know is like, what is our place in this world? Like where, why are we here? You know, what's our purpose? And I know that's a big road you've been headed down for a long time. I mean, since I've known you, it's been the path of like, where am I, where do I want to take my nutrition business? Where do I, you know, what is my purpose in this field? And, you know, why am I busting it out in grad school this long? I need to know which path I'm on. And yeah. And so as far as like, you know, figuring out your sole purpose, that kind of does take us into the star seeds, Akashic readings and past lives, which you've been talking to me a lot about, which are three words that I'm sure so many people are like, what did she just say? Yes. <laughs> yes. And- Let's we'll explain each of them, I think separately. And then yeah. I, and then I'm going to tell you something that's going to like blow your mind, I think. So, oh God. Okay. <laughs> so there's something called the Akashic records. And this is where we get like woo woo, but apparently like basically they're like energetically, they house all of the information about all of our souls, right? So it's all of the lives that we've had, where our soul comes from, the lessons that our soul comes here to learn, not only as a human, like not only on earth, but also just like throughout this whole like soul experience, like basically like we're doing human school is kind of like what I call it is like these soul, our souls come here and they do like human school, like time and time again, in each lifetime you work far, like further towards this ultimate lesson, ultimate goal. And you have these different experiences, but like, it's all essentially like connected to this one thing. So the Akashic records, like I always think of this, like just, I don't know, dusty old library and just people go in, they like, they read the records and there's people that do this. I don't do it. I did try to learn how to do it myself, but I like it better when other people do it who really know what they're doing. Um, and I've had my records read and through that, I've learned a lot about my soul. And the more that I've learned about my soul, the more that it's changed my perception of, of my path and like myself and like why I'm here. So one of the things that you can learn from the Akashic records is where your soul originates from about 70% of people on earth, their souls originate on earth and there's different types of souls and different missions. You know, there's light workers, which I always tell you that you are is like, I, I would be interested to see what your Akashic record said. That's just my intuition is that I think that you you know, are here to do light work. A lot of people who are nutritionists and coaches have come here to help other people, you know, on their journeys. Um, and then the remaining are souls that have come from constellations in the universe. Right. And so the souls that come from these constellations, they come here with missions. And that's when I said, they come here to do like human school. Like they come here, they come here to learn a whole bunch of shit and they like want to learn all this stuff. And there's different, there's different planets and constellations where these people come from. And this is what is a star seed. So that's like what, that's what people here have like said it, right. That's what they've gotten 
knowledge that that's what it, what it is and what it means. And they come from these plants, right? So they come here to do work towards the overall collective of the world, but they also come here to have their own lessons and like their own missions. And then each lifetime has like a new one and your like soul kind of like then reincarnates like throughout. So, so cool. That to me, it's so freaking cool. And so <laughs> learning that I, I always like, I had heard about them for, before because Jordan Younger from the Balanced Blonde talks about it. And I always was like, well, like I'm probably not one, you know, like I never like thought that I was. And when I found out that I was, I was like, oh shit, Amanda, like we need to do some self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Everything that was told to me makes sense. But it is, yes, very hard to grasp this idea that you're like from this other constellation of like this place. And so, and especially for me, because there's a few different ones and the one that I come from doesn't exist anymore because of that, all the, all the souls that come from that constellation that's called Mintaka, Mintaka, I would say is like one of the oldest constellations. So we're like like we're like the, the senior souls that have just like been here forever, like reincarnating. And it's because something happened to our planet. So we can never go back to it. So a lot of people that come from Intaka spend their entire lives, plural, feeling homesick forever Mm -hmm. because they can never go back to their home. The other thing that's interesting about starseeds is that a lot of starseeds have spent time on multiple planets. So you kind of like pick up different characteristics and different things from it. The thing that I find to be the coolest though, is that you have gifts from your planet and your like star family. And so I know this is like, I'm where just, I, I'm just, I know, all you're I'm like thinking right now is like, so technically you're an alien. I'm an alien. <laughs> I'm totally an alien. I'm totally an alien. No Which one in I'm my family has, with. no one has taken this well, <laughs> especially when I started learning this stuff. And I... I have felt homesick my entire life. Like I have always missed a place. And I've, I've said before to people, like, have you ever missed a place you've never been before? Like before I even knew this and like thinking that I'm just like this deep, deep person, just like, Oh, so deep and emotional, but I've like felt that. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and we talk a lot about um, generational trauma, like a way to kind of connect this is, you know, in the realm of this kind of idea um, is that like, why are we the way we are? You know, of course mm-hmm. it was the way we exactly. were raised and the people we were around as we grew up and, but there was always more, you know, there's more than that, you know, and, and it's a matter of what the generations before you experience in their lives and that their trauma is your trauma. And I read a whole book about, yeah. um, you know, survivors of the Holocaust who have children who that, that trauma becomes your trauma and you don't even realize that it is, but it's a part of you. And, so, I mean, it, it's very real and this is just kind of a grander yeah. scheme of it all. That's hard to grasp yeah. when you don't understand. And kind of before we like go further, I did want to ask for somebody that might be like, this is so cool. I want to like learn more yeah. about this. How do I get my Akashic records read? Like, do you have books or like websites yeah, you recommend? So, yeah. So I recommend doing it with a practitioner or professional who does it. I've had mine done. I would say probably like three times. And the reason is because they access different past lives during different readings. And also I just like to confirm over and over again, the same things, but I will, we'll link them because there's one woman who I absolutely love who's out in LA, who's just 
blew my mind, my whole <laughs> brain wide open, who took me through six different past lives that I had that like That's is so really cool. crazy. To your point about the ancestral piece, and I, I think that this is really where the soul and the past life piece connects everybody, is that our past lives have very little to do with our life now in terms of there was a past life where I was a man who was Jewish and who came to New York city right after the war. I, in this realm and this body and this world cannot sit here and say, well, I experienced that. Right. Mm -hmm. And that could be offensive. Do you know what I mean? But, but the beautiful thing about it is that it connects all of us so much because there really is no race. There's no nothing because we all are connected in our souls. And I, now I'm like getting chills and I'm probably being sound crazy, but like, do you get what I'm, it's like, we all have, we could be anything like we, you know, I'm a white woman. I could die tomorrow. And my next life could be, an, an, you know, a black man. It doesn't, you know, it just, you just don't know what happens though, is that the traumas that you experience in these lives, they stick with you. Mm-hmm. You have to clear those out. And some of those things affect who you are now as a soul. Yeah. And that's what's so, what's so crazy. And it, I think for me, it makes me love and appreciate everyone, you know, as just like an overall, I mean, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like a way, way, way smaller version of this whole thing. But like, sometimes I look at Ellie, my dog, and I'm just like, you're not a dog. Like sometimes I just look (laughs) at her and I'm like, you've been through so much in your life. Like I can just tell there's so much there. And it's goes back to like my childhood of watching the, the like dog reincarnation movies you know that yeah. I feel like I watch those all the yeah. time and it always They're made me so, so sad and the the one with Milo Ventimiglia that came out a couple years mm. ago a dog's journey oh, yeah. you ever watch that yeah yes uh, we're like watched it wept like oh god yeah some, some dogs are just like smarter than others like some you can tell they've been here they've been around the block like and yeah. that that movie no it's true was so like, oh my God, I wept because it was like about how a dog's soul, like it's reincarnated and every, every time they're there, they're learning everything they need to learn in order to like become, you know, or reincarnate into like a human one day. And so yeah. his dog was like so smart that like he became, <laughs> he became a human afterward. And it, like, I literally want to cry, like just thinking about it because, you know, we have to wrap it's our so- heads around like yeah, the past life thing. Yeah. Like when my, when, when my dog dies, which like, it's going to happen, like she's my best friend. And sometimes I think about like, well, maybe, you know, like she's going to come back for someone else, for someone else's family yeah. for like, as someone else, like, you know, and that, that comforts me because I just, yeah. you know, I think that there's so much more that we don't know and can't fathom. And so learning about this is just really, really like, and really, really interesting, you know? And I think that it is. the word and I it love. is comforting. Yeah. Because yeah. part of me is like, I want, I want to just like always be searching for more, for, for, you know, why we are the way we are and why we are here and yeah, what our purpose is. And yeah. so I know that's something specifically you've really been going into and, and yeah. what, is it the practitioners you can see, is it an Akashic reading practitioner? Is that like the word? There's people that have gone through training for it 
and intuitively do it well. I don't think that there's like a certification that you get, you know what I mean? Like there's people who have been trained other people that do it. It's like kind of like shamanism in a way where like it it gets passed down. You can learn. Like I, I can link some like books, like that I've read about it. It's kind of gotten me like into it where you can learn to do it yourself. It's just, I don't trust myself, which is part of my problem that when I'm getting these like downloads that it's the right stuff. Like I'm like, I'm crazy. Um, so it's not like, yeah, it's not like being like a psychic or anything, but like, is it kind of, kind of, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, you do kind of have to be like super intuitive. Like they say that anyone can do it. I find that people that do it also do past life regression, Mm. which is another type and, you know, another thing that you can do with people kind of like drop you into these like other lives that you've had. So it's usually like those kind of like go hand in hand. Um, the people that read it or that read them are usually getting messages from either their own guy, spirit guides or your spirit guides. Like they're kind of like connecting both. So like in a way it's a little bit like mediumship, you know, because they're speaking to like your spirits and that's exactly what mediumship is, is that they're connecting with your, your spiritual beings and like, kind of like connecting all these dots, right? Everybody, what, from what I've learned is that everybody has different gifts. Most people have gifts. They just haven't accessed them yet. And everybody has different gifts. So the different readers that I've been to, like some of them are clairvoyant, some of them are clairsentient, some of them are clairaudient, meaning that some of them get, uh, get vision. Some of them get feelings and some of them have like the gift of hearing. And so it's like, it really depends. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> I know. I know. So we can get into my gifts, right? What I've yes, learned. Please. So gifted. I know. I want to so. know. I want to know, like now I'm like, what are my gifts? Like, I don't know. Like I feel energy on such a deep, deep, deep level. Like I am such an empathetic person. Is that kind of something you would? That's, that's clairsentience. So clairsentience is feeling. So if you're clairsentient, you, which most people like are clairsentient in some way, shape or form. Right. But especially empathetic people. Like if you get a gut feeling about something, that's clairsentience. Like if you feel something like we're talking and you get goosebumps, you get a chill and you like, just really feel like this is right. Or I really feel like this is wrong. That's clairsentience. So that's like the gift of being able to feel and, or feeling other people's emotions, which is like empathy, right? Yes. That's, that's what that is. And that's probably your gift. And the more that we hone into those gifts, the more that we practice them, the more that we spend time alone and in quiet and practice them, the more that we can really fine tune our ability to feel and to, to hear and to see, depending on whatever gift you have. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about yours. Okay. So I have clairsentience as well, which I've always known on some level, you know, that I've always felt stuff like in my gut and like been able to kind of like feel I learned through this process that I have clairaudience, which is the gift of hearing. I wish I was clairvoyant. I have tried so many times. I can't see shit. I have no ability to like, even with like, you know, when they do guided, like visionary, like meditations, I can't see anything, but I can hear. And what's fascinating about it is that it's not as simple as like people like the medical medium. That's like, he's like, he just hears somebody talking to him. Like, I don't have that ability, maybe one day it's in my head. 
because it's in my head, this gift that I've had my entire life, I just thought was me being a crazy person. (laughs) I, there's things that have happened that made me realize once this like happened and I started to research on it and read books on it and try to learn, like, I'm like, I want to get better at this. Like, I want to learn, like I learned the things that were happening to me were connected. So like, for example, there's like, when I go into like a sleep state kind of, and I'm like going to sleep at night, I would have these experiences where a door would slam. I would be like, oh my God. Or I get ear ringing a lot. And, and like where I used to be like, it's my chronic illness. Now I'm like, yes, hello. What, <laughs> do you, what do you want? What, what do I need to do? And this, what started happening as I started to like do this is like, I'll go into meditation and I either will hear or I'll like, like I'll hear or see words in my head. And I've now learned like, you know, there's different ways to like do things. So some people will hear a song on the radio sometimes, and that's like their guides or their TV or they're here talking. Like that's also Claire audience, but there's a piece of Claire audience that is, is writing. It's kind of like guided meditative writing. If, if, you know, people have ever done that. So like what I'll do is I will get, like, I'll be meditating. I'll get out a notebook and I will just like write. And then when I read it, I know that it's a download from something, a guide, somebody else, because it's not always in the way that I speak. And it's just, even with writing sometimes my book or writing things for my blog, like there are times where I'll write stuff and I won't remember writing it. Like, I'm like, that didn't come from me. That came from somewhere else. Like I'm just a channel for that. Yeah. Which is and pretty scary to think it about. is pretty scary. And my new thing is that I really want to speak, like be able to like speak other languages. And it finally happened to me last week where I actually, I actually like wrote in another language. I don't know what language it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> I was like speaking, I was like, kind of like mumbling and speaking other languages. I don't know, but <sighs> I've been like wanting to do that now. And I'm like, I finally did it. I don't know what it was though. Holy shit. So I'm just oh like, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to be like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just have people like, <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> oh my God. It's so hard. It's so hard to talk about these things and also be a human that is so grounded in reality. Like guys, like I understand how this sounds. I like I really I do want to just say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. I mean, and a lot. I, I think that's what is so exciting too, because this is something that when you tap into it, it's something that makes you unique. And if someone can talk confidently about what makes them unique and what sets them apart and what helps you to help other people ultimately is what helps you be successful. Yeah. You know? And so that's something I think, especially going through chronic illness, like we, we no longer deal with like humility. Like we, we're such open books at the point where we just, we want to get better. We want to help other people get better. And that's the basis of everything we do and everything we talk about. And so you get to a point where you discover this other thing that could change people's lives and we want to share it. And like, yeah, that's just really the bottom line. And so I mean, come on. Like I've, we, we tell ghost stories. Like I've had a ghost in my dorm one year in college. Like there's, you know, you can say that, that kind of Right. But this stuff is like, this is different in the same realm, of course, but like, this is, but that's okay. And this, 
Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's true. It's true. And I think it's like, for me, I have always loved, like you said before, learning about myself and why I am the way that I am. So I love to learn about the past lives and the things that are holding me back from moving forward in this life. Like why am I at this part in my career? Why am I doing this? And what should I do going forward? And I think that's really what I've gained from learning these things is that like, I'm learning that my gift and the reason why telepathy and all of that stuff is my gift is because that's how they, that's how we communicated, like where I'm from. Like we, it was a water planet. We were underwater. Nobody spoke words. Like that wasn't what it was. It was all energy and like, and this like brain, you know, situation. So So like, I actually went to a reader who didn't know any of that. And I was asking her, how do I get, how do I become more in tune with this? Like, how do I get closer? And she said to me, go, she said, your guides are telling me that when you were a little girl, you used to go under the water because you liked the, like, just like the quiet of it. And she's like, that's where you get downloads. She's like, you need to go into your bath. So just to make you laugh, because I, then I go into my bath and I'm literally like holding myself underwater. And Rob's like, please, well, she's like, Amanda, please. Like, I, I can't, he's like, maybe you weren't under there long enough. I'm like, well, I'm going to die, Rob. Okay. I'm not a fucking fish. <laughs> okay. Like I can't, I'm like, okay guys, like I'm ready, but it doesn't work oh that way. It's like Harry, but, Harry Potter, like the chamber of secrets like, or no, exactly. no, it was Goblet of Fire. When exactly. Go under the water to hear the mermaids talk. Yes, that is exactly that is those are my people. That's like, you. <laughs> those are my people. So yeah, but what it what I've really learned, like let's translate it into life and soul purpose, because that's what I think everybody is trying to do, especially within our healing realm, like with chronic illness. So many people are taking their chronic illness and turning it into what they're going to do with their lives, right? Like I know so many people, right? So like, okay, let's turn it into your soul purpose. My sole purpose is communication. That's mm-hmm. what I do, right? There are people and star seeds and people who their purpose is to nurture. There's people whose purposes are to lead. You know, there's there's all these different things. Like our our gifts that we actually have as human beings then are different things, right? So for me it's writing and it's and it's speaking on things like this and things of that nature that that's like my gift. Cause that's how I'm getting downloads. And that's how I'm sharing that information with everyone else. Yeah. What this has taught me about my purpose is that I am not meant to be a nutritionist and I am not a nutritionist, mm-hmm. which is really great. And the big joke is that information would have been really useful to me before I have a loan <laughs> for $50,000 for fucking graduate school. <laughs> But oh my God. no, but I've learned so, so much that process and I will be very connected with nutrition, but my path forward is not to be a nutritionist one-on-one with people, which you have been saying to me for a long time, but it really yes. is a more sharing of information. But this spiritual piece is a really big piece of what I like need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been not listening to it. Like my guides will come into my head and they're like, you're an energy worker. Like you're an energy worker. And I'm like, no, thank you. I don't <laughs> want to be that I pass. And they're like, no, like this is hello. Like this is what you're going to do. And so that I think has been a real eye opener for me and just accepting like, okay, like if it's not going to, you know, this thing I've been working towards, it's going to look different. Like mm-hmm. that has to, it has to be okay. You know? Yes. I mean, we live a long life. I mean, we have now 
multiple lives, right? I mean, there's a lot that we can do in this, in this lifetime, let's say, you know, we're in our thirties, we have so much time. And I, what I've learned is that if we are not pivoting, if we are not changing, adapting, that's not life. You know, I I think it's really important to be open to the idea that things are not going to look the way you think they're going to look. And that is something that's been really, really hard for me to accept as I've gotten older. And, you know, we always think like, oh yeah, by that time we'll be married and have kids. Like, or we'll have a total yeah. career and we'll be settled down or we'll own a house or uh, that's just not yeah. how it is anymore. And I mean, has, has it ever been? I don't know. But like in this day and age, I mean, I never thought I'd be doing this. Like I, I really, you know, for 20 years yeah. I worked on being a photographer and doing that. And it's just, you have to listen to what, right. The universe is telling you what your body's telling you and, and embrace it. And if you can, yeah like think about how fulfilled you're going to be. And I think that's something so powerful that we don't realize we have control over. And that's what you've been discovering is like, okay, I can harness into what everything is trying to guide me towards. And just a matter of accepting it, accepting it and embracing it and letting go. Yeah. I think that is, you know, the theme of this episode, because it's just a matter of like, who am I and do I accept it? And am I going to embrace it? Yeah. Like, can I, yeah, because listen, we have, we have a choice, you know, finding out this information does not mean that that's it. Right. Like, that's not like, I think people, and it's the same with me. Like I had someone say to me, like, well, you have free will, Amanda, like you don't have to do, if they're telling you you need to do this, like, you don't have to do that what it, what has been so fascinating to me as I've been observing this like whole experience myself. And I've been meeting so many women who are in the same boat and every person I meet who is trying to figure out their purpose or everybody has some sort of like health issue and chronic illness issue. Like I met with a graphic designer the other day, who's going to help me with my new ebook and my new project. And she was like, like she had chills was like on the brink of tears talking to me because she was like, Oh my God, like what you're talking about is what I I need. Like I'm like, she's not doing well, but what she wants to do is help people like me doing the work, be able to create, like help create design for these people, Mm -hmm. meeting all these people who are helping the collective in their own capacity. So it doesn't have to just be like one-on-one coaching, which is like, the most acceptable, I would think like acceptable way to help people because it's like, you get your hands on people and you can help them. Right. And that's like accepted widely. Right. We're like, okay, like I need help. I'm going to have someone come and like, help me. I think that there's all these people now who are doing it in their own way where they're like, okay, well, like I was telling you about a friend of mine who I just met, um, who has admin experience and now she's helping organize, other like wellness collectives and communities. And she's like, I was going to go to school to become a a therapist to do the work. But now I'm realizing that I can help other people who are doing the work. And then you're still helping the work Mm -hmm. get done. And I just think that that's so cool. And so I think that there's so many people who are on this journey of figuring out who they are, who have things, especially the chronic illness community. And you don't know where that path is going to take you, but the more you learn about yourself, the more you can say, okay, here are the skills that I have that I've been given. Here's who I am. Here's what I like to do. And then apply it 
to whatever that thing is. If you are somebody that suffered from migraines and now you want to help people with migraines, but you don't want to go, I, I don't know, become a doctor. Like, I don't know what, you know, I'm just using it as an example, right? Like you right. don't want to, you, you can't go become a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not in the cards for you, but you can help people, you know, learn by setting up an Instagram page or doing a blog or doing videos. Like there's so many ways that people can help other people. The more that you understand yourself, the more that you can put that energy towards helping the overall good. And I think that's fucking cool and beautiful. Hell yeah. I mean, and that's why you've decided to start this new community collective of yours, which I think is just going to be so exciting and fun. And I'm, I'm really pumped for that because there just needs to be more outlets for us to be able to talk about these things openly and like help each other find our paths. And I know that's something that I always always enjoy talking about. I mean, at the end of the day, like that's all anyone wants. Um, and I feel like we are constantly talking about that, even though we don't realize it. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about the star, the nourished starseed collective. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Cause I think that kind of plays into all this stuff too, about people's like purposes. And because that's a really large part of what I am doing. I, when I first started getting really sick or started getting diagnosed had a really hard time finding a place to exist that wasn't dark and depressing and really sad. And while I believe that there are parts of chronic illness, which there fucking are that are like dark and depressing. And yes, everyone should have a place to talk about that stuff. What I felt like was missing was a connection of people who were my age, like people who yes, had chronic illness, but like also were like leaving their careers and doing something crazy. People who were having kids and like doing all stuff, like it isn't just one type of person. So when I created Grab a Spoon, I was able to connect with so many people. I mean, you and I have like become best friends and it's Mm -hmm. like, hello, like we met on the internet, like it's crazy, right? (laughs) Like because of this like platform that I created and I've had so many friends who I haven't even met that like are part of that. What is missing for me there is when you have a platform like Instagram, like it's a lot of like one way, like I'm sharing information with people constantly, but there's not an ongoing conversation or a place for people to talk or the ability to connect people to other people. So like what I am creating is a network for people who have chronic illness or health concerns where they can come and they can learn about their, their illness, right? Like they, there could be special groups for different conditions. You talk about who's doing Akashic healing, like who's doing, you know, this supplement, who's doing that where you can talk about all that stuff, but there's also the ability to connect people like you, who's a functional nutritionist and who can show up there. And then, you know, Sally Sue from Michigan, who needs a functional nutritionist finds you who knows chronic illness and she has chronic illness. And she then has a practitioner who understands her on that level. Like, like I was talking about the girl with the graph, the graphic designer, like that's, what's missing. And I was telling her this, I'm like people who, yeah, like I want a person who is dealing with chronic health issues as my graphic designer. Cause like, I want to support, this is my community. Yeah. And it's nothing against other people. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that that doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah. And it just doesn't. Right. I can't believe it doesn't like, honestly, it's wild to me because and something I really discovered that I enjoy is, is photography. 
for my chronic illness friends who are making cookbooks and eBooks. And like, uh, it's my favorite thing to do, which was just, I didn't think photography was ever really going to have like a place specifically in my path, but there is, and I didn't realize, but how am I going to find chronic illness people that need photos, you know, like, right. Right. (laughs) Well, that's exactly, well, that's exactly it. And it's like, like I always say with like marketing, like now, yes, like I work in, in marketing full time, but I work for CBD company. Right. So like CBD is helping people who are in chronic pain. There's like the link there, right? Like all these things where there are just links to kind of helping people. And it's, it just doesn't exist where we can support each other and like hold each other up. And it exists in other places. Like I kind of got inspired by the idea because Sahara Rose, who's, who's an Ayurvedic and spiritual teacher many years now created one called Rose Gold Goddesses. And I've, I joined it. I've met so many women through there, but what's missing is the chronic illness piece. And I'm like, okay, this is amazing. And I love being able to meet with these women and talk about our purpose and all these woo woo things. But like my community doesn't have that. And I, so I was like, okay, like I need to create this. We need to do this. And like all things that I do, it's going to happen probably sooner than I'm ready for it to happen, but there's going to be a shit ton of work that's going to go into it happening, but it'll be a place where there'll be classes and courses and things where people can access information, where they can access, where they have tools and where they also can be like, Hey, like I launch this book. And then all these people could be like, yes, girl, like good for, you know what I mean? Like, where's the, the positivity within this community? Like I went to the emergency room this weekend and that fucking sucked. But like, I am still want to like, you know, kiki with you and talk to you about it's like, you know, the mm-hmm. sex in the city revive revival. Like I am not just about illness 24 seven. Mm-hmm. It doesn't define me. And so I'm trying to connect people that it doesn't define them either. And let's just support everything that we're doing. Yeah. That's my, no, I mean, I'm so ready for that. And like, I know that's really why we made this podcast. I mean, we yeah. have our hot goss segment where we talk about TV shows because like chronic illness is not just all we're about and, and there's so much more to talk about and more to do. Yeah. And, and so if people are interested in this, how can they get connected? Yeah. What are the beginning yes. stages? Okay, cool. So, <laughs> um, my old page, which is all in grace, which was from my products that I made, I changed it over to nurse our seed collective, which, and in an LOL, just true Amanda fashion has nothing to do with the fact that I already had followers on there and has everything to do with the fact that I am no longer allowed to create any more Instagram pages. Cause I have yeah. so many from <laughs> all of my ventures. If you, you guys just know how I am. So I changed it over. That's what I'll be sharing a lot of information. You can also obviously just keep up with me on grab a spoon. I probably will not be launching this until the summer, just because I, there's so much work that's going to go into building it for me. I I already have a platform, so I know like where I'm going to host it, but I really want it to be like worth it. So follow the nurse, um, the nurse RC collective on Instagram. And then, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. I'll let everyone know when it's going to be launched. Cause it's going to probably be a membership, but I just haven't like worked out all the details yet right now it's just a baby seedling it's yes. a star seed a, a star seed. seed on its, it's path. A little seed yeah <laughs> I need to graduate I need to graduate school and then we then I could fully immerse myself in it yes. and <laughs> yeah but I think it's it's gonna be good 
I'm so excited. I mean, it's just a really exciting time, I think, for for you and and just knowing what you want to do, finding the path and embracing it because yeah, that's when amazing things can happen. So I I'm just glad we got to talk about all this because I I just yeah. I'm curious and, and I know listeners will be, and, and as always, you know, reach out to Amanda, if you have more questions, um, about yes. any of these topics specifically, but we'll, we'll put yes. some links in the, the episode notes for sure. Yes. I just want to say also just, yeah, thank you everyone for listening to how crazy I've just been also <laughs> Mel for giving me the floor. And I think I know what I'm going to get Mel for her birthday this year. Oh my God. Just what? coming up soon. Okay. Yeah, we'll, wow. We'll talk about that later, but I want to get into hot goss because we haven't done hot goss in so long and we have so much to talk about. Okay. Yes. So hold on to your hats, everybody, because we do have a couple shows to talk about. There's been a lot that has come out, but we're going to go through the highlights of, you know, the things that have been top of our mind. Cause I can just go through the list of everything I've been watching, but we definitely need to start with sweet magnolias. Right. I mean, that's yeah, the most recent do. newest. It just came out last week. Uh, I know I watched it in about four days, but you, you watched, watched it about it two. two. Yeah. <laughs> it was over a weekend, you know. Well, it took two years for season two to come out. I mean, of course we need to know everything because they left off at a ridiculous cliffhanger like last season. Yeah. It was just not even fair. Um, it was so long ago. Yeah. I mean, I watched it. I'm pretty sure that I watched it twice. Yeah. No, me too. I mean, it took so long for them to get out the, the second season that I actually was surprised and didn't think about this until you mentioned it the other day about the kids. But when you have people who are on the brink of being teenagers or just teenagers in general, like you can't take that long to film because they're not going to look the same. No, it's like the, that kid from Modern Family that like was like a man overnight. It was like the weirdest thing. Yeah. I mean, they looked so much older. I mean, even in the first episode, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, yep, two years have gone by. Um, but the youngest daughter, I don't know if anyone could tell, but she had these like awful fake bangs and what was that about? Well, I looked it up and she, her haircut, she has like a short, cute little like haircut. And I'm just sure that they like, didn't want to make her get bangs again for the part. Cause she's grown up. I mean, now she's like a little older. She's still supposed to be the same age. Cause like, yeah, but I thought that contractually you're not allowed to change your hair. I mean, I don't know. Maybe just because she's a kid, you know, but I don't know. I mean, it was yeah. just kind of a moot point, but like Aaron and I could not get over it. We were like, oh my God, these fake Yeah, no, it was bangs. really bad. But when you said that to me, I thought it was like she had like a health issue and was wearing a wig. Like I didn't realize it was just like oh. a hair, a bang situation. Well, then I don't I, know. Now it's like I looked it up. Yeah. I was very there, curious. There are a lot of things on that show that they are not checking themselves before they wreck themselves. Like I like Bill's accent. The fact that my dad has an issue with it is just like, like that was so gratifying for me that he was like talking to my mom about it. And I was like, <laughs> Mel and I have been saying this for now. It seems like three years that this has like been going on. Like two, two it's years, so but, like, bad. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. We just laughed about him the entire season. Like my favorite so moment was in the finale when it was like, I think they were at the, uh, well, spoiler alert, um, a funeral and they like Maddie and Cal look over at Bill after finding out y'all, this is really a spoiler alert. If you have not watched it, do not listen, skip over this part. 
um, when you find out that Bill is Isaac's dad. And so they're like, you are crazy. What is happening? And like, everything's falling apart. And oh my like, God, Maddie and Cal like look over at him and he's like hunched over, like with his eyes all squinted. Oh my God. And- I know he looked like he was so, <laughs> first of all, wait, I have something that I just looked up. That's going to blow your mind. I, I want to, do you know how old Chris Klein is? Uh, just take a guess. 47. 42. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why. He's a, he is a child. I thought he was like, it, first of all, he's like always like yanking up his pants and like talking. <laughs> yeah. He seems, he seems so much older like in, a this, grandpa. in the show. Yeah. yeah. And he's only 42. Like well, he's not that old. Their characters are supposed to be in their late thirties. Do you realize what? that? Yeah. So, okay. If we do the timeline of it all, right? Um, technically, from what we learned, Isaac is 22, right? Peggy okay. had him when she was 16. And so, and they're in the same class as Peggy. And so 22 years after 16 is, right? Like 38? Well, that makes sense to me because, yeah, well, that makes sense to me because they have kids in high school and stuff i just am shocked that he's 42 in life because <laughs> well yeah. he looks ridiculous in that show and it's just so bad oh my god he's just it makes me sad because i love him just from american pie and just like why chris Klein? why he had so much time to have dialect like work done you know we were quarantined for like a year like he could have worked yeah. on it but no, I mean, they're and- all from the same place. Like my dad was going, I mean, my mom was going to me, well, what if he's from a different place? I'm like, no, the whole point of the show is that they all grew up there. They all went to high school together. Like, no, you can't have an accent that comes from a different part of the South than everybody yeah, else. No, it's so bad. And the show this season was so funny because I, I mean, we had gotten, we probably watched seven episodes in the first day. We yeah. just like binged it. And after seven episodes, I'm like, what has even happened? Like, has there, has anything actually happened? Like part of me just kept thinking, like, I don't know why I feel like nothing's happened, but it's literally because I was just waiting for Tyler and Annie, like the whole season. I was just waiting. You live for the teen drama and Annie. Yes. I mean, because there just was so much good stuff in season one that happened so fast. If you think about it, like season one by episode five, they opened up the spa by episode six like Annie had gotten drunk kissed Tyler and like the whole school heard her like drunk text message voicemail to him like that happened halfway through the first season like so much went down and so that's what I was expecting and it was all just very like chill this season kind of a slow build finding out like you know what's going on with Helen and like the pregnancy and and are her and Eric going to get together? Are Dana, Sue and Ronnie going to end up back together? What's the secret with Cal? Like it was just yeah. all these like little yeah. things. And I just was like, when are Annie and Tyler going to have Yeah, nothing. I know nothing was coming out, but I mean, I don't know. There were definitely some feel good moments. I think throughout 100%. 100%. You know, and you do find out some stuff, right? Like you find out who Isaac's parents are, you know, even though it's later in the season, I think. I think what was frustrating was that there were moments that were built to be things or built to, you know, 
yes turn into something and then they did nothing like they just fizzled and that I didn't understand like why are you building up this whole narrative with Tyler about to lose his shit over not being able to play baseball anymore and then he just like the next scene he's like I'm fine like I just like it was like nothing it was so weird yeah and like all the angst with like Kyle and kind of like getting mad at his mom and I'm like oh he's about to like become a bad kid or something and and I was laughing because you thought the same thing I did in the first episode when like Tyler after the hospital had pills on his side table Mm -hmm. and they like focused on the pills and so I was like oh shit like he's gonna get addicted to pills like that's where my brain they did and I was like is it because I'm and watching too much euphoria right now that I'm like teens <laughs> just get addicted to pills? Like, no, not well, they always have somebody, but anytime anybody gets injured, they like do that kind of thing. And they did yeah. focus on it. I mean, my thing was about that was that they zoomed in on it. And then I was like, uh, like I did kind of feel like, I hope that they don't do that just because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't feel like watching that narrative uh, again, but why did they, I don't know. They spent a lot of time I actually will say, we didn't talk about this, but in the episode where you find out who Isaac's dad is, <laughs> Peggy has three conversations with three awesome. different white men. And we knew it was going to be a white man. So mm-hmm. she has conversations with every person that you you and I thought that it could potentially be. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you guys trying to do? Like that she was like, Rye, like Rye. We thought it would be Ryan, which I thought of you mentioned to me and then I thought yeah that would have been a way better storyline because to yeah. me Bill is like we get it Bill's a sleaze like we need to like send, we need to like bang this home a little bit more like I right. don't know if it needed to be him why, why, why? did they have to bury him further into the ground you know that's what I'm wondering is yeah. like what's and the purpose of all this gonna be so sad it was I, like, so sad like almost it was felt sad. bad for him like I was like Ooh. I felt bad for him a little bit in that scene yeah. In the spa, I did kind of feel bad for him. And I was like, I said to you, there's no way it could be Bill because there's no way that they would have him have a, no- like, we get it. He already has another child. Like why him again? I don't know. I, I don't know why they did that. I mean, I know that they're going to try to bring her and Peggy and the whole everybody together some way with that. But I just think that they could, I, I don't know. I don't know why they did it with him. Is he like the only like human with like sperm and serenity? Like, I don't understand. Why is everyone banging him? He's horrible. <laughs> so bad. Like, I'm wondering if maybe if it has something to do with Noreen because Noreen's staying in serenity and yeah. she's living with Isaac, who now is her baby's half brother. And so, you know what I mean? So yeah. part of me yeah, is like, yeah, yeah. there's going to be something that comes out in that regard like and I don't know how it's all going to be connected but I'm not sure I mean there's so much left up in the air I'll 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 give you my favorite season moments how about I do that because the ones that really stuck out to me the most um just lighthearted ones I really loved the scene when uh Tyler sang with his little sister at like music camp and that was cute yeah oh so sweet I was like oh didn't expect this um, but I love the scene where Maddie and Noreen made up where they like, mm-hmm. she showed yeah. up at the house and it was just a really beautiful moment. And I didn't know that I like needed that. And it made me pretty emotional. Yeah. Um, and then the scene where Maddie was talking to her mom about like, you know, how eventually her mom's going to pass away. Oh God, and I can't, she, I'm going to start to cry. I, yeah, it was, that was, that like, was a hard yeah. scene. And I like, they just hit you with these like emotional moments of like, 
(laughs) yeah they really get to you but I think it's because I wasn't expecting them and that's something I I need to learn to um, mentally prepare occasionally for whatever the show's going to hit you with because you really never know and I will say, I mean, I'm curious about your favorite moments, but I do also want to talk, uh, Tyler and Annie and Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really like Jackson and Annie together. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's kind of over Ty this season, him kind of like, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, after last season, I just thought he was such a douche last season and it was nice to see him get redemption, which I think was, was good, but I don't know. I thought the thing with Jackson I liked it because I questioned the authenticity of it for most of the season. And then I was happy for her to see that it wasn't not real. And I was like, that's, I was like, I'm here for that. And also because she deserves to, I think, have a love interest that isn't Ty. Cause I just don't think they'll give it to us that early. 100%. I mean, you watch sex education, right? Of course. course. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure. I was like, I couldn't remember. Um, but like we didn't get Ma- like Otis and Maeve until season three because Otis yeah. was not ready for Maeve, you know, like yeah, he, he had to do some growing, some learning, dating other women. Like, I think that's kind of what's happening here. Like Tyler and Annie are young and they've always been in each other's lives. And I think they yeah. have to go in separate directions to end up finding their way back to each other. Yeah, and I think so. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting, um, especially since they like dabbled in some little clues and hints at the end of the season that the Tyler is like thinking he's in love with her without knowing it. Like they've led us to believe that with that little like coffee comment coffee thing, thing. Yeah. that I didn't pick up on the first time I went back and rewatched because part of me was like, are they just closing the door on this whole Annie Tyler thing? But, um, he was having a conversation with Helen about like, you know, comparing everyone you date to like your first love. And Helen was like, yeah, you know, like weirder taste in movies or, and Tyler was like simpler coffee orders. And at that point we had no idea who he was talking about until the next episode when he runs into Jackson at the coffee shop and buys that really complicated order for Annie. And you're like, Oh shit. He was talking about Annie and yeah. And Helen into that conversation with like, you know, but the important thing is that you need to find what fills you up, what makes you, you, what you want to do with your life and then find someone that complements it. So I feel like it was like a big, you know, full circle moment of like, Tyler doesn't know who he is or what he wants. And he can't be yeah. a boyfriend for anyone until he figures that, that out. Right. And so I, I was very satisfied yeah. with like where they ended everything. And yeah, I can't wait to see the next one. I'm I know I need it, it now. Like I need it yeah. right now. So yeah. Yeah. All in all, great show. Love it. I really hope they get approved for season three because I need, I think they will. I need more. (laughs) And you've been watching a show. That's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, and I'd love to hear what you think about Cobra Kai because (laughs) it's taken you years to get here and watch it. And you who did karate when you were a child, like, I know, you know, blows my mind for me. I know. Well, it was only like a few weeks ago that I told you that. So Rob and I watched the first season and then we didn't keep going. And then I told you that it was because watching karate triggered me on such a deep emotional level because I've been doing it since I was six years old. And I've been to those tournaments. Like I was that kid, like that was my sport. Like, I mean, I did a lot of sports, but I went to tournaments and stuff. Like I, 
it triggers me. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I can watch this. Like, it's going to freak me out, especially because like, I don't have that in my life in any way, shape or form anymore. Yeah. And it hasn't like I, what they do is so different than, than really like what I did. Cause it's not even the same, you know, I did Taekwondo. They do karate as they mm-hmm. always pronounce it. And I'm like, please stop. <laughs> like it's karate. Like it's like karate. Like it's play- I, I hate it so much. Um, but I just think it's really funny. I really love Johnny Lawrence. I'm very much into him um, sexually. And I just love him being a mess. And those are my favorite moments. It's just like when he was just like saying stuff that I just think is so ridiculous. You were saying when he, when Johnny was trying to help Miguel get back on his feet and he kept like dropping him and stuff. I and mean, Rob and I were like on the floor, like laughing. He was just like, oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Fork is trying to like walk again. He keeps like falling on his face. He's like, oh, sorry. It is um, such so good. a funny, good show. Like I put that in my too. top five for, for shows when we did like our show review and you were like, really? And I'm like, yes. Like it's just <laughs> such a good show. It's good. It is good. It gives and it you has everything drama. you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think that the actual Karate Kid, what is his name? The other guy. Daniel LaRusso. Yeah, who right? Rob just calls Daniel-san. He, <laughs> he annoys me, and I think it's hard to watch him because I'm just like, ah, I understand the whole thing with Mr. Miyagi. I wasn't a Karate Kid kind of person. I was more of a, like, you know, Bruce Lee kind of person. Like, to me, I'm like like get over it already get over it like everything that he does he's like oh mr miyagi you used to oh, yeah. say there's I'm like, like YouTube, i'm like stop whining there's youtube videos where they have like compilations of daniel saying miyagi like yeah he said it like everything of times yeah and everything <laughs> i'm just like shut up so i'm excited for season four i've only watched i think two episodes in season four and i'm excited to see the two schools come together to you know the two dojos come together and I really like the idea of them teaching each other their skill sets like I think that that's really fun and the first thing that they did with that when like the first episode where they started to be together I also thought was really funny because like everything he said Johnny said the opposite and then he was like lighting shit on fire and he's like we're gonna get sued he's like who's gonna sue me I'm like oh my god so funny (laughs) no it's such a good season and like every season levels up. I mean, that's what's so cool about this show is that they take it so seriously. And like the young actors, they actually do most of the karate work. I mean, they train when they're not filming. And so it's, they're so passionate, I think about the project. And it's always really nice to see when, when young actors take something so seriously and, and, you know, are really, really thankful for, for the mentors, the older cast that, you know, has been around the block and, in this world a long time. And so yeah. it's really, really nice. I can't wait for you to finish season four and I'm sure, you know, season five will be in the winter, I imagine, but. I was going to, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm all about the the feel good right now, which is why I wanted to talk to you about the reboot of Sex and the City. Yes, please. I mean, I'm surprised it's taken us this long to talk about it, but the season finale was <sighs> last week. So I will yeah. say, you know, it's, it's been back for a while, but the, this show just ended. And I think it took the full 10 episodes for me to be like, yep, yep. I'm okay with this. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I think it's actually really good. Shock- shockingly good. I think. Yes. I did not expect it to be as good as it is. And I'm really, really relieved, but also like 
kind of excited. Like I, just because I didn't think it was going to be what I wanted it to be. Um, but it's yeah. totally not what I was expecting at all. Yeah. And well, it's impressive. It's actually, it's actually impressive. Like I, I think that the most incredible thing about it is that after all these years for them to go into these characters and play them exactly how, as how they would be. And that's, and that was, I think what's been, so what I've really been like craving from them because I really hated the movies. I mean, we named our podcast sick in the city, like true blue sex in the city fans. Like I can't even express how many times I've watched it over and over and over again. Like, yeah, it got me through every breakup ever, like anything. I just like, I would know exactly where I needed to start, like what part of their life I needed to live in. What I think is the key and why I didn't like the movies. Like the movie, it's not a made for movies show, you know, it's just not like, and so like, I struggled with the way that they had to like pull that all together and all this stuff. They are now able to do more of the day-to-day life, which is what they did on the show that made it really good was that they were doing stupid shit, right? Like not stupid shit, but simple things, right? Like they just go in and get coffee, just going to get a facelift, you know, like that's just in the doctor's office. Like you can't have that kind of stuff in a movie because there's just not enough like room for that. Yeah. Being able to see them as exactly how I think that they would be, I think has been, that was really a relief to me as well. Like I was like, oh my God, like they're back and I miss this. And this is amazing. What I do struggle with Mm -hmm. is that they do all look really old and it's really hard to watch. Like I, I, Miranda could just dye her hair. Like it's not, you don't need to be full gray. I'm sorry. Well, just wait, just wait. Is she going <laughs> to dye her hair? <laughs> well, Amanda's not done with season one y'all. So. Oh my God. I have two more episodes to go. That's the other thing is I feel like so much happens in an episode. Like they go for Like it's such a long period of time in yeah. one episode. And I think that a lot of shows really struggle to find like modern upgrades to them like I mean Cobra Kai you know that was back from the 80s and now it's back in 2022 and um and it's funny because they like play on how it's modern day yeah (laughs) so you kind of have to find a way to make it work with something that was alive and well in in the 90s and like I do think Sex and the City has always been a very progressive show. I mean, they they were always ahead of their time. So, yeah. of course, they're going to take on these subject matters that now are very relevant. And I think that that's something really cool and exciting that they're exploring. And, you know, Miranda's sexuality and um, Charlotte's uh, child who's exploring her, yeah. you know, gender and, well, their gender, excuse me. Their and- gender. Yeah. Well, the thing so, with Miranda is hard to watch though, because I think, I think there's the incredible piece of it, which is, yes, it's very progressive. And also it's very Cynthia Nixon who's helping direct, which is incredible. And I do love the storyline. What I don't like is that, I don't know if you watched Grey's Anatomy, but it is just a weird thing to see Callie <laughs> from Grey's I know. hooking up with Miranda. And that's what freaks me out. I don't get, that's the only thing is I'm just like, I'm very confused. Like I'm taken out of it a little bit because I'm just like, Cal, well, that scene what's going on. That and that scene, scene was like in, uh, uh yes. In Carrie's yeah. apartment after she's had surgery with Miranda and Che, I was gasping. I was gasping. I, yeah. Could you imagine though? Like, like I think about 
when I had my second back surgery, one of the most horrible things in the world is that you actually do feel trapped. And I like multiple times thought that the whole hospital, cause I was very drugged was under attack. And then I was like, I'm not gonna be able to get out of bed. Cause I can't even go to the bathroom alone. And oh, no. all I kept thinking when that happened was like, she is fucking trapped yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Gasping for air. I was in pain, like physically for a few minutes until it was over. But I mean, that's what the show does is like create these like shocking moments and that kind of take your breath away for a minute. And you always forget because it is a pretty like surface level show. I mean, they're not, it's very basic. I was like, but why was she screaming like that? I have never understood (laughs) the way Miranda has sex ever. She's always been this way. This is Miranda's way that she has sex like I get it like you haven't had sex in a long time but like screaming screaming I'm never I'll never forget it I'm happy for her I'm happy for for her her. (laughs) how did you feel about how they handled Samantha um it's hard I I'll say I'll say two things one I I do miss her Mm mm-hmm and I think they did the best that they could like I, I don't know but I think that they have found ways to bring Samantha's energy to life in a way that doesn't feel like they just replaced the character. Like they didn't just bring somebody in, but instead they have Seema. Instead they have the teacher, I forget her name. And they just found ways to bring other women who bring that energy. Like I think the real estate agent really has Samantha energy, but does it in a way where it doesn't feel forced. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like it. Like, I think that they, I think they did find a way to replace her without it being like a, just another replacement that felt uncomfortable. Like, I think it does yeah. feel good, like where it is, but it, it's with them killing off big plus Stanford, just my heart. Yeah. And then like Samantha being gone, like, yeah, like I, I feel like I miss those characters, but I do think that they're doing like an excellent job with working around that and still making it good. Yeah. And that's what I was impressed by. And I think I had the hardest time with, with big dying. I mean, in the first episode, because I was just in Peloton. That's why I don't ride my Peloton. (laughs) Yeah. I was not ready. (laughs) I just truly think I was in shock and I was not ready for that. And I, I told you because I was like, you can't, you need to know. I would have known. I mean, well, then they just started talking about it constantly and poor Peloton had to put out a statement. It wasn't the Peloton that killed Mr. Big everybody. I know. Well, he did like that ad with like talking about Peloton and like he he like yeah. did a whole thing afterward to like comment on it. But I fully understand why they had to do that because the show is about her and her independence. Like you can't it would have been like watching the movies again. Like we wouldn't have wanted to see right that. Yeah. And- and that's why I hated the, that's another reason why I hated the movies. Cause I didn't, the whole entire series worked up to them having a happy ending. And then they took the happy ending and shit all over it in the movies. Like, I don't yes. want to see that. I'd rather him die while they were happy <laughs> than watch them have a miserable marriage. Like Miranda and Steve. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, do you want to see that and have them be unhappy and deal? I don't want to see that. Like, that's horrible. No. I don't like that for Steve and Miranda. Like that does. I know that ruins that their relationship a little bit for me from the show because I'm just like this is what happened to you guys yeah it's sad and I you know 
I've been wanting to like go back and rewatch the whole show just because now I'm like, I want to remember everything. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of upcoming shows, we're both so excited about the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which comes out next week. Mm -hmm. I've been desperately waiting for that. And Bridgerton was just announced coming back on. I'm going to rewatch. I think I'm going to rewatch. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> like, let's I, but I think it's due for a rewatch. It's due. I think those are like really the highlights. I mean, we'll cover some of the things we didn't in our next episode, but we have a lot in store for you guys. And there's just some really exciting stuff in the works. So, you know, welcome back 2022 sick in the city, Amanda and Mel. And as always, you know, subscribe, please. If you would like to give us a review on Apple podcasts. It always helps us out and, you know, share with a friend. We really want to, you know, build this community and, and get all this information to more people who need it. And we love you guys and, you know, happy new year. Let's get this, you know, thing on a roll. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Speak soon. Happy healing everybody.